Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, it's good to see you. You were traveling again this week, right? I was. I was out in uh, Sin City in Vegas, um, hoping for warm weather. I got all packed with like, you know, 80 days, supposed to be in the 80s, and I get out there, and it was in the low 60s and very windy, and I thought, well, darn, you know, that was kind of like my... The one thing that was making me happy to go is the weather, and it didn't turn out that way. But it was a good event, quick trip. Yeah, Long, yeah. Honestly, I I would take low sixties right now where I am. You you probably would too. I don't know exactly what you're getting, but low sixties actually sounds good to me. We're still it's like forty right now. Oh so yeah, I'm, I'm done had, with this. Yeah, we've been kind of in the fifties, and today's were in the the mid sixties. Oh, here, so I kind of I had acclimated to that and decided it was cold now, and I need to move up to the next level. Mm-hmm. The next level, eighties, seventies, least seventies would have been nice, but yeah, all good. Uh-huh. So busy week, though. Lots going on in the news. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, the, the the big thing in the past few days has been, you know, this stuff with Elon Musk, uh, you know, potentially joining the Twitter board and then not joining the Twitter board and then offering to buy it. And I don't know how much we're going to dive into it. This isn't going to be our main topic today, but it, it has been interesting to watch. And yeah. I, most of the commentary seems to be, you know, around elon uh and and what exactly he's after i've read some commentary and i'm sort of interested in what where does twitter go you know from here or or a lot of these social platforms not that there are that many social platforms there's you know two main ones that we talk about but Mm -hmm. i i think that lots of people of many different uh you know either political persuasion or viewpoints on technology feel like there's room for improvement in in the social networks, uh, especially as they've become so algorithmically driven. I, I think they've moved from the, the thing that attracted people originally was just sort of sharing information about themselves. Then they became algorithmically driven and it sort of became about performing online, you know, and trying to go viral. And I think that's been, you know, a huge shift and something that's sort of driven me personally away from it but I still actually get value. Like if I if I curate my usage just enough, then I still get some value out of getting the information. Uh, and, and I think there's so much thought that has to go into these things that, they, you know, they became something different than I think what anyone intended them to be. And That's now, how does, you know, how does anyone walk that back? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very on the fence about social media, as you know, um, and Twitter's not a place that I spend any time really um, miraculously managed to do that. Um, and, and I've seen per- firsthand some real negative effects of social media on, especially on kids, I think. So yeah. I can get on my soapbox about that. Um, I do think it has served a role um, for information sharing. Um, I do think it has a role in the business world. Um, it's a, you know, it's a great marketing tool, great communications tool. Um, but I but do, even if I could jump in real quick, you yeah. would probably say that you, even in the professional world, you would say that you've seen some negative impacts from like a journalism standpoint, right? Like it's in, yeah. in some ways it has kind of set journalism back and there has to be again, kind of this reimagining of what does responsible journalism look like in a world of social media or how should social media be used in a responsible way? 
Yeah, it is. It democratized journalism in a way. But what people fail to realize is journalism is actually a craft. It's, you, you know, not everybody knows what they're doing. So just because you have the tool that enables you to do the communication and put it out there to the masses doesn't mean you're a journalist. And there's a real danger in that. And again, I could talk for hours about that. And that's been a problem. Um, for as much as um, as introducing the ability to communicate in a widespread way to the masses is a wonderful thing in some ways, it's you know it's obviously politically and in countries that you know um, you know wouldn't be able to see the light of day, you know they're able to communicate in this way. Um, the everyone is a reporter and a journalist is can be a very very dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it can lead us down a lot of wrong paths. And the immediacy of social media also isn't always a great thing um, because the facts are wrong the first time out and then they need to be amended and amended and amended over and over again. Um, but the the first line facts are the ones, quote unquote, facts are the ones that a lot of people take as as um, set in stone. Yeah. And, and that's another big, huge mess. But. I read an article and I won't, we can move on, but you know, if, if Elon, Elon Musk has so much money, uh, fixing Twitter, I could think would be really low on the priority chain of what to fix in this world. Um, uh, I can name about, you know, five to 10 other things right now that need fixing that have on a humanitarian level or a medical level or some other level that are a little more important than um, how Twitter is run currently. But that's my humble opinion. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a valid point. Um, I think that's been, you know, uh, criticism leveled at a lot of people that have accumulated a lot of money. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that's one valid criticism that's out there. And then there's this other one that we've been talking about, about like, look, you know, a lot of these social media platforms do have problems. I don't even know if there's complete agreement on what the problems are, but it does feel like there, there needs to be kind of a movement into refining them or, mm -hmm. or correcting them or addressing some of the issues that have cropped up since, you know, they've all been born. So, yeah, um, I mean, there's only so much you can do on the, the, um, the producer side If you're, you, you know, you are Twitter or you are a social media platform. So on the tech side, there's only so much you can do because controlling the whole user universe is something that is almost impossible. And yep. I don't know how you rein that in. And I think that's the bigger problem that we have yep. here. So yep. anyway. So yeah, so that was uh, but that was the big news of the week. It and we, was. It was good to touch on it. But for our main topic today, I think we're going to look at some new data that we collected out of a, a study that we, we've been running as kind of a tracker year over year. I, I think that we've already begun to see um, that, that there might not be too much value in tracking some of this data moving forward, but it's around IT operations. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so the first thing to talk about within this IT operations data is question that we asked around where people saw their company in terms of technology adoption. Okay. Um, and a small segment of people, about one in five people, feel like their company is on the cutting edge. The bulk of people feel like their company is, you know, above average. And then the rest of people feel like they're they're average. A very small segment of people are kind of willing to say that they think their company is is lagging. I think the most interesting thing to me in that data is that it didn't really change very much from last year. And I think this is part of the reason why we might be seeing that there might not be as much value in tracking this year over year. I think for this question, in terms of talking about how is your company approaching technology, mm -hmm. 
if you were going to see a difference, it was probably between last year and this year, right? Last year, you know, a lot of companies were still in survival mode, very tactical. As we've talked about many times, companies are moving into a more strategic mode and we see that shift happening, but it doesn't seem to be impacting the overall attitude toward technology. And, you know, again, if, if that shift back into strategic IT hasn't moved the needle dramatically on adoption, then adoption uh, attitudes are probably going to be a very slow moving thing uh, over time. You know, we will probably see people moving more and more towards trying to accelerate their adoption, but it's not going to be overnight. Yeah, what's interesting to me is um, it's almost impossible to to look at this in a universal way, because what does cutting edge mean to those who said they feel like their company's approach is cutting edge for the most part, or even upper tier? Um, depending on the type of company or the industry that they happen to be in, those are very different things, right? Um, so, you know, if you may consider your company aggressive in its approach to emerging technology, for instance, but you may define that very differently than a company that is really <laughs> aggressive when it comes to emerging technology. And that has to do with size and all the different factors that that are in there. And then I think it's also important to kind of talk about the balance that companies have to strike between being strategic and aggressive with the the, the newer technologies and the need to be um, really mindful and up to date with the basics and that those things still really matter and kind of kind of keeping a balance between the two the two efforts is important for most companies to progress and be successful. Yeah, yeah, I think those two things that you highlighted are actually things that we see when we start digging down, you know, for the companies that feel or the, the individuals that feel that like their company is towards the cutting edge or above average in adoption. The, the leading factor that we see is the way the company evaluates emerging technology or innovation, yeah. or, or even the fact that there, there is this notion of evaluating new things versus just adopting stuff off the shelf, you know, or taking mm -hmm. stuff that's already been proven. And, and I think that we're going to dive into that, I think, quite a bit more over the next 12 months, this, this idea of what does it look like to be evaluating new technology? How do you do that within an organization? Is it a cross-departmental effort? Is IT leading that charge? How do you move something from like a pilot stage into development? I think a lot of companies are going to start wrestling with that question, whereas that was probably only the domain of the very largest companies who were really wanting to push the envelope with technology. Um, but I, I think we're going to see more and more this question of how do you evaluate new things? What is your process? Where are you getting your information? What metrics are you setting? I think all of those are relatively new things for companies to be doing. Yeah, and they may not have to do with specific products, um, right? It may be, you know, your um, your innovation with technology may be in the way that you use it or your process um, or something you develop in-house. And it doesn't necessarily mean the, the shiny new object that you bought off the shelf. Um, and so I think there's some nuance there that we're not just talking about, you know, you see, uh, you know, something new for sale from one of your bigger companies, your bigger vendors, or a third party, you know, channel company you work with is pushing a certain new product, but it may be something that you're, you're um, incubating in house or changing, like I said, a process, which sounds wonky, but it actually can unlock a lot of technology potential um, if you get the right ones in place. 
So I, you know, I guess my point here is that we're talking about a spectrum of things and it's not just um, what the latest and greatest, you know, shrink wrap thing is that you can buy. Yeah, I think you're exactly right because we've talked about it so much. All of these new technologies that we're talking about um, as, as we've been labeling things emerging technology over the past few years, they're all embedded. They're, yeah. they're not products in and of themselves. And that's a very different way of thinking about IT. I think for a long, long time, IT was product centric. Um, and, and now it's becoming more process centric, I think. Uh, and there are still products in the mix, but a lot of those products have layers to them and they've got embedded technology. And so you're not buying AI off the shelf. Yeah. You're buying a customer relationship management tool that's got AI embedded in it. Um, and, and you may already have CRM you know, at your business, but you're trying to add new capability. Uh, and so it's not as much about buying the new thing as it is improving the capabilities that you already have and improving the process. Um, yeah. on, on the other hand, spending on technology is the number one factor that we see of those companies that say they're com they're, they want to accelerate their adoption. If, if they're a little bit, you know, lagging or maybe they're just average adoption, they say the number one reason is that there's insufficient spending on technology. Uh, and I, I think that this is what we're, you know, we'll spend the rest of the time talking about here is, you know, what exactly do budgets look like? What do companies think they're spending on? I, I think that technology budget is something that we've discussed, especially, you know, back in the outlook, we talked a lot about technology budget. Mm -hmm. um, but but this is where I think things get really interesting is what exactly does that spending look like or what should it look like? Yeah, I mean, historically, the, you know, the IT department is seen as a cost center. We've talked about that quite a bit. So um, the goal of year over year is to try to keep their budget reined in. I think that's changed pretty dramatically, at least for progressive thinking companies. Um, but what should they be spending on? I guess that that's the big sit around the conference table and kind of figure that out. And you've got to have not just the IT people sitting at that table, but the business side of the, of the house as well to figure out what your business outcomes that you want are and what your goals are, and then figure out where you're going to spend this piece of the pie and that piece of the pie. But in the data, did you see any trend develop or is spending seem to be fairly evenly balanced across like our framework that we talk about? all the time um, of the various buckets of technology um, or did, was there a standout where people are now like throwing all their money at some sort of digitalization effort that they're, that they've got, or they're doubling down on infrastructure. Yeah. So we, we did use the framework uh, that we've established as kind of a, you know, guiding for this budget discussion. Uh, and, and I think it can be difficult, you know, what we talked about with technology budgets back in the outlook was that there's a lot of stealth spending going on. Uh, and, and you've got different departments spending on technology. And a lot of times, it might not even be labeled as technology, but to the extent that people understood where the technology dollars were going, we we asked them questions around the framework. And the first thing that we see is, that people believe that the spending is surprisingly balanced across all four areas, infrastructure, software, cybersecurity, and data. Um, I, I think that that kind of hints at the fact that people might be a little unsure about where exactly the spending is going. Because I, I, I don't know that you would really expect it to see this balanced. Uh, I, I think that you yeah. would maybe you know, expect that some companies might, you know, still be leaning towards infrastructure and needing to build that up or, or maybe cybersecurity especially would be yeah. an area where 
we see a little bit more spending, but it was it's incredibly balanced. Uh, and actually, talk about something that didn't move over year over year. Um, this didn't move at all. The, these were exactly the same percentages across all four of these areas that we saw last year. That's pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, where I'm thinking then, so if the, the spending is balanced, um, you know, what are the, the variables then that you can move around? Like, you know, spending on tools, I suppose, if that's balanced, is there any differential then in spending on people? You know, if you're going to be, you, you know, we always talk about the skills gap and needing to hire people to position you well in the, in, in a newer area that, you know, that, that um, requires a different level of technical skill. Uh, or knowledge, if you're getting into, you know, more of the data side of things, we talk about that quite a bit. And that re that really requires a different level of skills than your basic uh, network technicians and help desk technicians. But um, was part of the budget considerations discussion within the survey around people and human resources in addition to the actual tools themselves? You do see spending on different things. I, I think that you know, across all four areas, and I'll, I'll dig down into each one a little bit here, but I, I think the biggest thing you see is the need to understand how all four of these areas play together and, and what the priorities actually are in each area. So I think it's easiest to explain by just going through it, right? So in the infrastructure area, this is probably the most well-established area of IT. You know, everyone's been buying hardware for a long time. And what we see as, in terms of priorities within infrastructure are endpoints and cloud computing, cloud infrastructure. And I think that tracks with everything else that we see. You know, uh, companies are investing more in endpoints as we see a shift to more hybrid or more remote work. And they're investing more in cloud computing as they are interested in resiliency. So I think that tracks. And again, that's well understood, well established and companies know exactly how to refine those investments. Within software, we also see the primary areas being on cloud computing and web development. And I think that tracks as well. You know, they're, they're spending more on cloud applications, uh, which allows them to digitize different parts of the organization. And they're spending more on web development, especially coming out of the pandemic, because they're trying to either add e-commerce or make their portfolio available to their customers in a digital space. Yes. So all of that makes sense. The areas of cybersecurity and data are where things don't track quite as well. So within cybersecurity, we see people saying, we think we're going to spend a lot on cybersecurity tools. And there might be new cybersecurity tools needed, but to the point that you've been making, the holes that we see in cybersecurity are around process, privacy, yeah. risk governance, um, end user education, mm -hmm. those are the biggest holes and they're not going to be filled by heavy spending on product. Uh, so, so that spending probably should be leaning more towards those areas rather than being as focused on tools that is, as it is. And then within data, we see companies saying we want to spend on analytics tools, which yeah. every company wants to get to analytics. But like we've discussed so many times before, you have to have fundamental data management processes and yeah. tools in place. So there might even be tools like databases or database administration, but they're not analytics tools. And so I think we see in these later two areas, which are more recent, um, newer for companies to wrap their head around as standalone disciplines, mm -hmm. we see a little bit of lack of understanding of 
where should you actually be investing in order to make these areas productive for your company? And are we seeing an, a continuation of the buying power um, move or shift, at least in part, to the uh, non-IT um, part of the company? So more line of business buyers. And is there more coordination? We had talked for years about shadow IT, but then we also saw that we were getting away from that. And there was more uh, collaboration and complementary you know, discussion between the IT people and um and you know the people in line of business jobs, so marketing teams or HR teams, whoever it was, in deciding what kinds of technology to procure. Um, I'm assuming that trend continues, and you've got budgets on either side, and you may have a combined budget. I don't know. That may be also something that's happening within companies, but it does require a lot more collaboration. Yeah, I we didn't ask around that specifically for this study, but I think. If you read between the lines, you can see that happening and you can kind of see the ripple effects of that happening. So I, I would say that in terms of seeing so much investment in cloud software, I think yeah. that speaks to the fact that business units are probably doing some of their own procurement because they are buying software specific to their function. I, I think that what you can also see between the lines is some notion that IT still wraps around the whole thing. You know, even if there's some greater degree of independence in the business units, there's this expectation that, that IT is kind of wrapping its arms around the entire technology picture. And that's why you see so much investment in like cybersecurity tools or data analytics tools, right? That like, yeah. especially in the cybersecurity area, most business units aren't trying to stand up their own cybersecurity tools, right? Yeah. So they they know that there's a need for cybersecurity and they're like, we think that's IT's problem. And so they're going to need to buy tools. Um, so that that's probably not a perfect understanding, but I think it does hint at the, the fact that people still expect IT to be overseeing, you know, all of this activity. Uh, and, and maybe they act more independently when it comes to purchasing some of their own software or maybe running some of their own analytics. But ultimately, it kind of needs to roll up to a central location that at least understands the technology, even if they don't control all of the dollars. Yeah. And some of those dollars, we haven't mentioned this yet, but we should, um, some of the do those dollars can be spent on third parties. You know, for you know, for companies that that have the budget to do that, to work with a an MSP or some other solution provider for either depending on you know their needs, either a lot of their IT needs or 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 some piece of them, uh, whether that is and 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 that's something that we continue to track. But uh, that's I would imagine for a segment of companies has to fit into their budget uh, process. Yeah, definitely. We did ask about that in each one of these areas. You know, are you getting a third party to help you with infrastructure? Are you getting a third party to do some coding for you? And so you see that in there. I think consistent with a lot of our other data, it doesn't seem to be something that companies are rushing towards. Uh, but I, I think that it will continue to be a really valuable piece of the puzzle because with all the spending that companies want to do, especially the smaller a company gets, their eyes are going to be bigger than their stomach, right? And they're going to want all these things to happen, but they just can't do it all in-house, even if the preference is to start in-house so that they can control that a little bit more tightly. They're going to eventually need to move outside, whether that means going to a partner that they've worked with for years, 
uh, yeah. to either procure technology or to manage technology, or whether that means finding new specialists in the areas of cybersecurity or data. I, I think we are going to see uh, continued desire and, and movement towards third parties. I don't think we're going to see that percentage shrink over time. It might not grow dramatically, but it will always be, I think, a, a healthy component. Yeah, in all of our studies, it seems I do with State of the Channel or some of the other, you know, SMB related end user studies that we do, that seems to be a very uh, steady number. Um, the percentage of companies that work with third parties in various areas has held uh, over time. Um, well, I'm thinking maybe 2022 and beyond can, are, are going to be kind of a, a breakout year after these years of kind of, you know, sort of static activity, I would say, um, among a lot of companies and what they're doing purchase-wise and the areas that they're diving into. So I'm trying to think about this being an optimistic year looking ahead. Um, I wonder what your take is. Um, but I, I, I got to think that there are a lot of companies that have just been hunkered down for the last few years that are now kind of like, all right, let's open up the wallets a little bit, think about some of the cool things we can do and um, and do it. Yeah. yeah, I think that this study in terms of understanding attitudes around technology, understanding yeah. viewpoints on investment at a very high level, I, I think that that has given us a pretty good baseline. Uh, and I, I don't know how much that baseline is going to change. I think that the details are what's going to change, right? So I think in the future, like I said, we might not have to keep asking about, you know, where do you see your company on the technology adoption curve? But I think we could dive deeper into the investment, you know, and, and begin asking more about how they're investing those dollars and seeing how those investments start to shift uh, and, and seeing if that is an indicator of greater understanding of what modern enterprise IT really looks like. Yeah, well, we have seen in the past a bit of, a, you know, heavy investment, like for in, cl in cloud, for instance, and then a year later, a little bit of a pullback. It's 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 definitely not a linear process for a lot of companies to get into yeah. new areas. So it'll be interesting to watch the investment patterns and how they ebb and flow over the next few years. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And to also see how the investments ultimately tie to skills. That, that are needed. Um, you know, again, with with so much thought around those investments in cybersecurity and data being around the products, um, I, I think ultimately companies are going to find it's not just bringing in a new product. You need to have the skill to either run that product that you're going to bring in or the skill to operate a process uh, that, that goes beyond any product purchases. So, so I think that will be another area to keep an eye on as well. Great. Well, I think that's a good end cap there, my friend. I think so. It was, uh, as always, good to see you again. As always, we are grateful to our producer, Andrea McMillan, for another show. And I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Sounds good. Take care. You too.